One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. This is uh, the first time we're recording this on video, a live recording. Uh, on this week's episode, we discussed why NBC Sports needs to step up the quality of their Premier League coverage, our thoughts on the new Messi documentary series from Apple, uh, the trials and tribulation, tribulations of Fantasy Premier League, and NWSL's new TV deal, plus I'm sure, Kartik, we will discuss a lot more too. Uh, Kartik, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. How about you? I'm doing okay. It's just, uh, you know, it's a crazy time of the year. Actually, actually, right now is all right, right? Because it's international break. It's a rare moment to actually take a deep breath. Um, I think it, it's interesting too, because we did a poll on, on Twitter, on X uh, this week to ask in terms of what, what people are most looking forward to uh, watching, whether it was the World Cup 2026 uh, qualifiers whether it's the Euro, Euro 2024 qualifiers, uh, if it's the US against Germany friendly, or just give me club soccer back. And uh, any guesses, because I, I know you're not on Twitter any longer, but any guesses which of those uh, ones won the, the vote? Uh, I would say either the World Cup qualifiers or wanting club football back. Yeah, I think about like 62%, the majority wanted uh, club soccer back. Um, it, it is interesting, right? Because it, it, it's two different audiences, I think, in many ways. It's, you mean know, you have your club soccer audience and then you have your international soccer audience. Um, obviously, we're on the club soccer side. We've talked about this in the past before. Uh, second place was US against Germany, which I, which I think will be an interesting friendly. Against... Which I didn't even know was taking place, to be honest with you, <laughs> until you just told me. So, okay. Right. Okay. Well, for the listeners or viewers uh, who haven't had a chance to watch uh, or listen to the World Soccer Talk podcast before, re- really what it comes down to, it's an intersection kind of a, a cross between talking about soccer, of course, but also streaming and and pro-rel. I mean, the pro-rel topic comes up almost every episode, uh, as does streaming, as does soccer. Uh, this podcast has, in, in different forms over, in the past, We've focused heavily on, on streaming, heavily on soccer, and ProRail has been a common thread too. So the first thing I want to talk about, Kartik, before we even get into all of that, is uh, Fantasy Premier League. I mean, I, I've been playing it for years. I know you have. Uh, how's it going on your side in terms of what you're doing in, in your fantasy, fantasy Premier League? 
Uh, not particularly well. I mean, I, I, I'm having a, I had a rough start to the season. Um, I play in the competitive league. I don't play the Premier League's official game, which is, um, I think, easier. I play in a competitive league of former Fort Lauderdale Strikers employees. We were Strikers employees when it started the league. That's how long we've been running it. Um, and um, actually some former players in the league also. So former Striker players and employees. Uh, and we are now, we have such a critical mass of people in it that have stayed with us for doing this for 10 years or so um, that we're going to divide. And it's so difficult because when you have uh, 20 people playing uh, or 18 people playing, whatever it is in a given year, uh, it's difficult to construct a squad. So we're going to go to pro rel next year, um, but it's very competitive. And it's something that's really interesting, Chris, because everybody who's playing the game in our league has worked in a closed league or played in a closed league in the United States. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yet that's we're going to implement we're going to implement <laughs> pro rail, so that that's really kind of the uh, the the takeaway is like in order to be competitive, you know, we made the decision to increase competition uh, to uh, 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 you know create a situation where um, the uh, people were going out and, and making making the proper decisions with their squad uh, in order to. Um, uh, to maybe allow the the squads that are less competitive to, or the ki the people who are less competitive to be to be more competitive, you need to split the league and uh, and uh, implement promotion and relegation. So it's a competitive tool. Yeah, it's about competition. It's interesting too because I mean, I mean, within the last ten years, there was a buzzword going around uh, called uh, gamification, and they were talking about all these different apps out there. Like, how, how do you gamify it? How, how do you add challenges or badges, badges are the thing. You, you can earn merit badges, etc. And it's interesting too, because I mean, you got ProRel, which is the ultimate gamification. You got a ProRel in a fantasy Premier League that now that you have, you mean, they're actually putting it into place because you have so many players going to split it into two different uh, divisions. E even um, the translation uh, app, uh, Duolingo, has, oh, yeah. has promotion or relegation in there. You want to kind of, improve your score, move up the table into the different leagues. Or if you're not doing so well, you get relegated to, to the Oh, and low. if you take a week off, you get relegated. So <laughs> I, um, I, I, I used to do Duolingo um, for many years, and I got promoted to the top division and would stay in, the, uh, uh, in that uh, top division. Uh, but you would have to, and you would almost time, uh, you would have to know when the, your week ended, your cycle ended, it, accure enough points. Um, go out there and do the things you needed to do every week. So if you took, let's say you went, uh, you were busy one week and you couldn't do Duolingo, you get relegated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Fantasy Premier League for me, I mean, this season so far, it's probably like very uh, many of our viewers and, and listeners. I mean, it's it's the week that I have, I mean, uh, Isaac and, and Dan Byrne and, and all these, new, uh, I mean, Almiron, all these players from Newcastle in my squad. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ahead because you have a tough uh, Champions League match coming up. I'm going to go ahead and take him out of the squad and put in some other players. And it often, it's always the same the way, right? As soon as you take out those star players, um, all of a sudden that week, you mean, they score a million points and then you're like, oh. Yeah, it happened to me <laughs> last year when I was struggling at the beginning of the year. I, 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 I took McAllister out of the squad. He got a hat trick against Leicester. Then I took someone else out of the squad. Uh, I think it was Guillemarish, uh, speaking of Newcastle, he scored. And um, 
Uh, and you don't just in, in the league. I'm in uh, scoring goals is important, but it's also things like clearances and uh, and and uh, uh, duels won, things like that, keeping clean sheets. And uh, I I used to be really good at it a couple of years ago uh, when I uh, I had uh, I mean it's a three points for a win system in our league. When a couple of years ago, when I had something like eighty points and was pushing for the league title. I was I had the Midas touch of thinking, okay, because you look at the opponent. That's what you always do. Okay. Uh, Arsenal is playing Spurs this week, but Chelsea is playing uh, Luton. So let's pick the Chelsea players, right? And that used to really work for me. Now it seems to be the opposite. It seems to be um, the thing I've come around to is if you're playing a better team, it's almost better to play those guys because the games are more open. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it, 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 it's getting confusing and it's getting uh, it's gotten quite difficult Uh in terms of that, I mean, even this week I made a mistake. Pau Torres was one of my early picks in the draft. I played him each of the seven match days prior to this. I drop him and he scores a goal. Um, granted, the assist was by Watkins, and Watkins has gotten me uh, um, lots of points this year. So um, that's uh, that 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 that's one guy that's come through for me. But um, really, unfortunately, uh, it's it's difficult, and it's really uh, based on matchups. So let's, let's move on to streaming. I mean, we talked kind of a little bit about soccer. Uh, in terms of the streaming side of things, lots of different news going on. Um, we'll get to the NWSL news in a little bit, as well as talking about the, the new documentary, uh, Messi Meets America from Apple. Um, but I want to talk about the trials and tribulation also, also of streaming. I mean, if you look at everyone from NBC Sports, CBS Sports, ESPN, kind of the three main English language broadcasters in the United States, I would argue that all of them are going through some issues um, of different different degrees, some, some worse than others. Um, Jonathan Rapley, who's one of our uh, listeners and viewers, uh, sent this in, Kartik, and I want to read this uh, before we get to the list of mailbag a little bit later. And he says, can we talk about how NBC pundits are not very good at their job? They must have been the only pundits in the world who agreed with the referees in the Spurs against Liverpool game. They are too scared to have an opinion. I'm not asking for Roy Keane, but can't we have pundits question the game? And this is in regards, of course, to to the massive controversy, the VAR controversy uh, in that match where Luis Diaz uh, scored the goal and uh, it was ruled uh, as offside, even though... It obviously wasn't. We all know that now. They made a huge mistake. And at halftime, what Jonathan is talking about, I, I mean, it's it's Robbie Musto kind of agreeing with the referees, which in hindsight, I mean, what the heck was... I think anyone who watched that game in, in real time watched it in the moment and saw that were puzzled. I think even... Um, I think it was it was at Peter Drury seemed a bit puzzled too um, in the commentary, and was it Lee Dixon? I think was like, yeah, that, that looked offside. That that looked onside to me. But Kartik, what, what's your what's your opinion about that specifically? But also just NBC Sports' coverage of the Premier League as a whole, which most of the viewers and listeners know that we're massive fans of English soccer, well, soccer around the world, but. Uh, many of our roots come from watching, I mean, what, thousands of hours of English soccer 
But what's your thoughts on NBC's coverage, uh, and in particular that moment? Well, that moment wasn't very good, obviously. Uh, in terms of uh, it's it, it, it's it's difficult um, uh, to make those spot decisions, right? And that uh, that Diaz goal looked onside the whole time, and, and we now have the released audio, uh, et cetera, from it. But uh, I, Robbie Musto, in general, like his analysis is very, very predictable, very. Um, very standard. Uh, it, it's it's hardly analysis, really. Um, and uh, th- there, there's. I, th- I, th- I think though it's it's almost it's different though, right? When it's the two Robbies paired together, they get too complacent with each other. I think yeah. when it's Tim Howard and Robbie Musto, or Stephen Warnock and Robbie Musto, um, you mean, or Danny Higginbotham and Robbie Musto, then you have that contrast where they're not agreeing with everything and they're. I think you're getting more out of Robbie Musto. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the same works for Robbie Earl. If he's paired with Tim Howard or Danny Higginbottom or, or, or Stephen Warnock, you get more out of him. I, I think, unfortunately, um, it, those two are very comfortable together. I have seen deeper analysis from them when they do their podcasts. So I know they're both capable of it, but maybe it's the short format of the NBC studio. Maybe it's the uh, it, it, it's, it's the placating of... of uh, I don't know, placating of fans of big clubs, because the other thing uh, I don't like about the two Robbies is that there is very predictable analysis um, when it comes to uh, the matches in general. They're very focused on the big six, which surprises me for two guys whose careers were spent at uh, what we would consider lesser clubs. Uh, in the case of Robbie Earl, he was part of a, you know, a great side at Wimbledon, right? The great, the crazy gang. And Robbie Musto was on a, a fantastic borough team, a borough team I enjoyed. Uh, he had Robinelli there for, for, for a couple seasons, but, um, you know, a team that had to scrape, a team that got relegated, even though they got to both cup finals that year. So I expect kind of more deeper analysis of, uh, of the Luton Towns and, and the, uh, the Bournemouths from them than we get. It's almost like you need Danny Higginbotham to come in to give that analysis. And then, um, in terms of uh, Tim Howard, I, I think he's gotten better through the years, for sure. Um, in terms of uh, watching a match, looking at the tactics, noticing uh, if a guy isn't making the right run or if a guy isn't finding a pocket of space or playing the right ball at the right time, um, you don't get much of that analysis from the two Robbies. Now, on this VAR thing specifically, um, well, but, I have some well, before we get Robbie Musto. Well, before we get to the VAR thing, just 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 a, a chime in there. I mean, Tim Howard, I mean, his comments about Chelsea and about Christian Pulisic, how Christian Pulisic was was brilliant (laughs) at at Chelsea. Come on. I mean, that's one thing. The other thing, I I think my my issue with NBC Sports' coverage is the halftime coverage is weak, really weak. I I hardly ever get any really good insight or good intelligence at halftime. And I've stopped watching the pre-match. I've stopped watching the halftime. I've stopped watching the post match, so when I'm, I'm tuning in for the games, and you know, what I mean, I'm not getting the level of analysis. So, so what I'm doing oftentimes is actually listening to the radio, listening to BBC Radio or Sky Sports or other or social media, and getting insight that way instead of actually watching the TV coverage at halftime or pre-match or post-match. Uh, on the Pulisic issue specifically from Howard. Um... There were fleeting moments where guys are brilliant. He was brilliant in moments. I mean, there's no question from a technical standpoint, he might even be a top 
10 or 15 player in the world. But there were fitness issues constantly with him. Uh, the, a critique I made his final year at Dortmund, which he's sort of fixed but not totally, is his positioning sense, not making the right run at the right time, not tucking back defensively in quite the way uh, you need to. I, I mean, actually, some of the criticisms I've made of, uh, of Pulisic, this is going to offend a lot of listeners, I've made of Phil Foden also. Um, I, I, I have some issues with Phil Foden's game uh, that I picked up on that, by the way, Pep has picked up on also, and Gareth Southgate has picked up on also, which is why Southgate doesn't want to play him centrally uh, for England. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, 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 everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I think Howard's analysis was was um, a little off there. But in general, he, he's given us more um, than, uh, than the two Robbies. The halftime analysis is worthless, right? Unless you want to watch highlights of the first half, which you do a good job of doing. Um, I mean, NBC's production is so crisp. That's the thing. Yeah. So I think because the production is so crisp, the graphics are always timed really well, unlike some of the other networks that broadcast soccer. Um, we tend to sometimes overlook what's actually being said um, in the studio or on the broadcast. Now, I have to say... Um, the the match broadcasts themselves have gotten infinitely better um, since Arlo White was replaced by uh, first uh, uh, Peter Drury and now John Champion. And you're getting more out of Graham Wiseau. You're getting right. more out of Lee Dixon. Uh, Graham Wiseau was fantastic this past weekend. Arsenal, but, uh, Manchester City. But if, but if I'm CBS Sports, right, or ESPN, and I'm looking at their coverage, NBC's coverage of the Premier League, and I know that the rights will be up in, in a few years. I mean, time is flying by, right? 2028-29 uh, season will be the first of a brand new deal partnered with the championship and EFL, a massive package there. I mean, it's still a few years away, but if I'm CBS Sports or ESPN looking at NBC's coverage, I'm like, okay, this is good, but we can do a lot better. We can raise the bar several levels and actually do a better job than, than NBC Sports is doing. Yeah, but I don't think... It, it, um... I don't think ESPN has the ability to broadcast the Premier League because of their programming commitments to college sports on Saturdays. And the fact that they've signed those deals long-term, and if you follow the media industry, you realize this has really put a, a, a hurt on Disney's finances. One of the biggest factors in Disney's financial issues, if you want to call it now, is uh, tying down these college conferences to long-term deals with ESPN, in addition to the loss of the cricket rights uh, in India. Uh, by the way, I want to apologize to the viewers and listeners. Um, uh, it's suddenly gotten very dark on my end. Typical Florida, a thunderstorm has rolled in. It was bright and sunny when we started this, and now it's dark, and you can probably hear uh, rains coming down in torrent in the background. But yeah, in terms of CBS, Chris, I, I think they can do um, a better job. But which version of CBS will we get? Will we get the Champions League version of CBS, or will we get the the version of CBS that broadcasts CONCACAF. Mm -hmm. I mean, will we get the version of CBS that's broadcast on NWSL? We'll have some news on that later in the show, by the way. Uh, or do we get the version that's broadcast um, some of these other um, random things involving, uh, excuse me? Serie A. Serie A, right. Yeah. So which version are we going to get, right? They're all, they're, they, they, there doesn't seem to be much consistency in their programming. But one thing I can say for CBS is I think I can say several things for them, but I think one major thing we have to acknowledge is they must have done some degree of market analysis on each product. Okay, here are the people who are watching NWSL, D1, 
these are their preferences. We're going to tailor the broadcast to them. Here are the uh, the types of people who watch Champions League. Here are their preferences. We're going to tailor the broadcast to them. Same thing with Serie A, same thing with CONCACAF, etc. So I assume with the Premier League, they would do something similar. Um, now, the question is, would they have the... Um, the kind of knowledge of English football. I mean, NBC put a lot into this Mm -hmm. in terms of research, in terms of um, uh, developing the culture, understanding the culture around uh, the sport. Although I would say that's waned a little bit. Um, And um, one thing to also factor in is by the time this contract comes up for renewal, NBC will um, no longer be linked with Sky, presumably. Comcast will have sold Sky by that time. So that may give uh, an outsider a little bit of an advantage or more of an advantage than they have now. Yeah, going back to NBC for a minute, I mean, the other part of it too is just Peacock. I mean, we, we haven't talked about this in the podcast before, but the, the last few weeks, there's been some major issues with streaming. That's always an issue. In, in 28, 28, 29, who knows by then? I mean, in terms of Peacock, Peacock might have 75% of the games. Uh, I mean, every year it seems to increase more and more slightly in terms of how many exclusive games that they have. CBS, yeah, CBS, you're right. They're all over the place. You mean some really good coverage on the Champions League, I think. Um, when uh, when Mika's not there, it changes. And we saw Freddie Lundberg recently on the Champions League set. He's been a really good uh, analyst, partnered with uh, Thierry Henry. We saw some really good, hardcore, intelligent, insightful analysis which which we're not getting with NBC's coverage uh NBC's I think much better when Stephen Warnock is there and Danny Higginbotham but Danny's doing uh, MLS games so he's hardly ever available to do that um when Rebe- Rebecca's fine I mean Rebecca's still I mean the best the best in terms of pre- presentation but, but what about ESPN we haven't really talked much about them I mean they've got you know obviously La Liga coverage um they picked up uh, NWSL, which we'll get to in a little bit. But ESPN's coverage, for all the faults or kind of criticisms we've given about uh, NBC's coverage, and then CBS's coverage, which I think their analysis on the USMNT and CONCACAF uh, is is pretty weak, in my opinion. But what about ESPN? What's your what's your thoughts on ESPN and, and how what job they're doing right now? Uh, Bundesliga too, of course. I almost forgot the Bundesliga. Yeah, I, I think the Bundesliga is, is kind of become a throwaway if there's a La Liga game or something important in La Liga happening at the same time. They do a good job broadcasting the matches. Derek Ray continues to be the best in the business. You've got a situation where uh, you have German-based a- analysts that are able to provide a lot of information, whether it's Archie Rintut or Jan Ford. Although he's in the UK a lot also, right? He's, he's doing a lot of uh, coverage of, of, of England, uh, of the English team for, for ESPN as well. I don't think they knew he was that versatile when they signed him. They signed him because he had done Bundesliga in Germany, right, for German television, not realizing, I think, uh, keep in mind, he played much of his career in England, even for some squads like Swindon Town, right? Sheffield uh, mm-hmm. United, right? He played for some some obscure t- uh, squads. So um, he knows the English scene. So he, he's been a real asset. Um, and then I think Kay Murray is, is such a fantastic host and so well prepared uh, and well studied on these things. Dan Thomas, to me, best studio host in the business, uh, gets the most out of the analysts around him. Shaka Hislop, 
Craig Burley continue to be guys. Okay, so we the question started with Musco not really saying anything, right? That's where we started this discussion. Earl not saying anything. Burley and and Hislop, they don't care who they offend. They call it like it is. Those two guys, uh, and actually, uh, I would say Frank LaBeouf is in that same category now. Um, so ESPN seems to have no issue with um, having people take shots at products that they may have the rights to, um, people that they may have relationships with in the game. They, they have empowered their studio analysts and their studio hosts uh, to probe and, and, and to do uh, the job they need to do. Stevie Nichol as well. Um, and there's a lot of criticism. I know our, our listeners, a lot of them don't like Alejandro Moreno. I think he's actually... You know, maybe it's his style. Okay, I, I can see where his style annoys people. I think the content of his analysis has gradually gotten better through the years mm -hmm. and is pretty good now. And it's probably being surrounded by the Burleys and the Labuffs and the Hislops. You have to raise your game. If you're going to keep up with Shaka Hislop, you got to be uh, watching the game and analyzing it at a high level. I, I, th I think Valley Moreno, I think, I think actually it's helped that um, ESPN no longer has uh, MLS rights. So, yeah. so, so, I mean, Alejandro Moreno right now to me is kind of the, the go-to guy for Real Madrid analysis, or he's, yeah, he's, he's yeah. a go-to guy for La Liga analysis. I mean, or I mean, he's done Bundesliga. I mean, so to me, you're getting better analysis out of him because it, it's not him. He's not the only guy just talking about Major League Soccer, which kind of happened in the past before. What I would say about ESPN and uh, NBC Sports, to me, is they're very formulaic in terms of uh, the way that they cover the sports. So you could have, for example, I mean, so ESPN's coverage of uh, the Bundesliga feels quite a, quite often a lot like La Liga. NBC's coverage kind of is formulaic. They'll change things up now and again. CBS Sports, I would say, is the, the, the least formulaic. I mean, in terms of the way that they go ahead and cover the game, in terms of all the different, uh, I mean, leagues or competitions they're doing it with a different type of style and that i like a lot that that's uh, and that's what kind of is warming me up to hey maybe it's espn working with cbs sports uh for the premier league for 2028 29 onwards so so uh i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves i know we have news to break but uh teaser i think we've already kind of given it away uh at least part of it nwsl they're going to be at least in theory working together um Right. For the next few years, yeah. ESPN and CBS. Yeah. So does that maybe, uh, you think, Chris, create a relationship where they're very comfortable working with each other on soccer products uh, and properties that it may just streamline right into the Premier League? I, I think so. But, I mean, because it makes sense in terms of sharing it. I mean, where they can say, okay, hey, ESPN might have a whole bunch of college football games on. Um, so their windows of time might be limited. Um, and then CBS might say, hey, okay, we'll go ahead and pick up the, the, those games and we'll show it on these channels or Paramount Plus or ESPN Plus. I, I think, I mean, it's worked, it worked before, right? When we had Fox Sports and we had uh, Satanta and ESPN, the three of them sharing Premier League rights. Now, I mean, for the last, what, over 10 years, it's been NBC Sports and it's either, but even then, it could be Peacock, it could be uh, NBC, it could be USA. Sometimes it could be CNBC. So sometimes it could be many, many different channels uh, having the games. But um, but yeah, let's talk about the NWSL deal. It hasn't been officially announced as we're recording this one. 
But according to Sportico, it's going to be ESPN and CBS working together uh, starting in 2024 onwards in conjunction with Amazon and Scripps. Now, Scripps has many different uh, over-the-air networks, uh, including Ion is one of them. Um, so, but then with ESPN, you've got, you mean, you've got ESPN, ESPN Plus, all the different channels there, CBS Sports, Paramount Plus, uh, Amazon Prime Sports. Um, so to me, the, the, only, the only jeopardy about this, Kartik, is I'm sure it's going to bring in a lot more money for the Women's League, which is great, is it's going to make things even more confusing than they have been in the past in terms of you know, who's showing the game this weekend or who's got this game. You might have to have three or four different streaming subscriptions or cable subscriptions just to be able to watch all the games. If you want to watch all the games or to watch your team, maybe one week it's on one channel, the, the next week it's on a different streaming service, etc. What are your thoughts on, on the NWSL deal that they've been able to uh, sign? Yeah, I mean, this is the first year really that it was all unified on Paramount Plus. They had kept their foot with Twitch and Amazon for a little longer than they probably should have. I don't know what the details of this new deal are going to be. Uh, NWSL, as you mentioned, has not announced it yet. Uh, but if Amazon, if the Amazon component is Twitch again, or if it's Amazon Prime, what what, what it is. Um, in terms of CBS's portion, uh, I assume the games that were buried on CBS Sports Network, which let's quite frankly uh, call it what it is. When you put games on CBS Sports Network, you're burying them. It's not a Nielsen-rated channel. It's not a channel. It's better uh, than FS2. Is it? <laughs> I, I don't know. Is it in as many homes as FS2? FS2 is actually the, the numbers for FS2 are now because everybody's cutting the cord, right? Their numbers, the gap between FS2 and like FS1 and ESPN isn't as great as it used to be. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, maybe those games are going to go to ESPN or ESPN2, which is really good news, I think. Yeah. Um, just from a visibility standpoint. Um, I thought maybe Turner would get in on this because of, uh, or Warner Discovery would get in on this because of. Uh, um, their their relationship with the U.S. Federation now, um, their history covering uh, uh, soccer abroad, Discovery's uh, history covering soccer abroad. Uh, for those who don't know, TNT uh, now has the Premier League rights, in, one of the Premier League packages in uh, the U.K., in mm-hmm. the U.K. market, right? Yeah. Um, and that's Warner Discovery, obviously. Uh, the scripts part intrigues me. I think that's where a lot of the leftover games could go and maybe – the streaming component from that either goes to ESPN plus or to, um, to uh, Paramount plus. Uh, but the thing I'm excited about is you keep, you probably keep your broadcast games on CBS. Um, they lose the sec football rights after this season. So maybe even mid afternoon in the fall and during the playoffs, you can broadcast games in really great windows on CBS sports on, on CBS on over the air CBS starting, let's say, at 4 o'clock Eastern time, and then it, it, you, you play into the, the – if they're showing a Big Ten football game that week uh, for the for the end of the season in the playoffs because NWSL remains on um, this calendar, which is contrary to the international calendar. Um, it also might be strategic getting ESPN involved. USL is launching their Super League um, in, in the coming seasons, and the USL Super League is going to run on the international calendar. Um, it's going to run kind of contra, contra calendar to NWSL. The assumption was because USL is currently on ESPN, that ESPN would probably be the partner for the for the Super League. Maybe they won't be now. Um, 
Maybe it'll be someone else. Um, maybe they go to Turner, for all we know. But, um, yeah, I'm excited about this. We need to get more details. But um, it's also really important, Chris, at this point, I think, because um, we saw what happened in this Women's World Cup, too. Uh, not only to the United States, but to Canada also, who have a lot of players in NWSL. We saw how the teams, the countries that have players playing in, in, in La Femina in, in Spain or, or in the, uh, uh, the the English League, the WSL, how, how much better those those uh, national teams did, uh, the people playing in the French League. Uh, so I, I think it's important for NWSL to spread its wings. They're getting a lot of investment in the league. They're getting new owners. Uh, but there are questions about where it fits in, in kind of the larger women's football ecosystem uh, with the U.S. women's national team falling on hard times and the league, quite frankly, not being a destination league for foreign players anymore. Um, it, so this is an important step. And maybe with the additional TV money, they can be competitive to get uh, so that Sam, the next Sam Kerr doesn't leave the league so that they can be competitive for players based in Europe. Because right now they're not. I, I, I know. A lot of people listening will hate to hear that because there seems to be you, you think there's denialism over MLS, Chris. There's even more denialism over NWSL and, and what's happened to the league and where the league is right now um, and uh, relative to the game in Europe. So um, I think this is very important. What I find interesting is that in many ways that NWSL is going back to what MLS had. Um, so MLS had many different TV partners, right? They had Fox. ESPN, Univision, and then within those divisions, then you had some games on ESPN Plus, you had some games on Unimas, you had some games on on uh, Tudo N A, uh, FS2, FS1, even FoxSports.com. I mean, you, you go down the list, right? It's a long kind of uh, laundry list of places that you could watch MLS games, and every week it was MLS fans saying, "Hey, where's the game? It's confusing. I don't know." And on the calendar, in terms of the scheduling, it's a headache. And then MLS moves to uh, Apple TV Plus, all of the game, no, actually, MLS Season Pass, sorry. MLS Season Pass, every single game, worldwide, easy. So so now, to me, with Major League Soccer, there's no excuses, right? It's as easy as possible to find those games. You know, all of them are going to be on the same place without having to do much uh, hunting or, or searching. And, and then NWSL is kind of moving from a Paramount Plus, CBS, CBS Sports Network, never one home really for for that their games moving to something that's going to be a, a long list again of, of places that you can watch those games uh for us here at world soccer talk it means more work trying to put together all the schedules and adding them to the website and to the app and in writing about it and and just making it easy as possible uh, to help people find those games but i do find it interesting that that uh mls and NWSL go down similar paths in, in, in their trajectory. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, 
like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Speaking of Apple and uh, MLS season pass, uh, this week was the launch of a new documentary series called Messi Meets America which is exclusively available on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, it's not available on MLS Season Pass. So, so if you subscribe to that, you have to sign up for uh, Apple TV+. Plus. And uh, sometimes they offer free trials. Uh, otherwise, it's, I think, $7 a month to get it. Uh, it's been launched on Wednesday, October 11th. It's a, it's a three-part series. Uh, Kartik, I'm not sure if you've had a chance to watch it quite yet. No. So I did. I watched the trailer. Yeah. So I did. So, so to me, this is fascinating, right? If, if you're a, a Messi fan, you'll love watching this three-part series, which is, it's going to be six, six episodes in, in total, but they're releasing uh, episodes one, two, and three right away. And then four, five, and six will come in, in the subsequent uh, weeks or, or months, uh, depending on when they get those done. So if you're, if you're a Messi fan, it's great to watch, uh, to go ahead and rewatch really what happened this past summer in the League's Cup. Uh, if you're an Inter-Miami fan, it's a great way to go back and, and watch uh, some of those highlights of, of that incredible story with them win, winning the League's Cup. If you're a fan of a, a different Major League Soccer club, there's probably slight interest in, in watching this. Uh, if you're not a fan of Major League Soccer and, and couldn't care less about Messi, you probably couldn't care less about watching, watching this series. Having watched those three episodes... It really is to me what what I feel it is is really a puff piece. It's 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 a a documentary that's meant to really kind of hype up Messi and to encourage Apple TV Plus subscribers uh, after they've watched it to go ahead and maybe sign up for MLS Season Pass either for this season or, or for next season. But other than that, I don't think it's going to win any. Uh, Academy Awards for um, Best Documentary Series or anything like that. It really, what it comes down to is highlights of this past summer in the League's Cup, of him joining the team, uh, interviews with Tata Martino, Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, Leo Messi, and others within the, the kind of the MLS camp, and then highlights of what's happening in those games. And, and, and that's about it. It doesn't dive any deeper. It's not like some like just amazing behind the scenes footage. Um, yes, it talks about some of the youngsters that play with Inter Miami and kind of the the path that they got to play on the team and, and how great it is playing with Messi. But Messi is a very he's an introvert. But the big news, Kartik. <laughs> so I watched there. I watched episodes like one, two, and three, and there's no mention of Phil Neville. There's, there's mentions of how Inter Miami were, had a, a poor season before that and a poor record. 
Um, there's zero mention of U.S. Open Cup, not even a word. And at the end of the uh, uh, episode three, where they talk about the League's Cup and they win the League's Cup, and then right at the end, they have a preview for episode four, which is coming out whenever, you mean weeks or months from now. And episode, the actual teaser for it is like, hey, there's only 12 games to go in the MLS season. Uh, we're getting really excited about can, can uh, Inter Miami qualify for the MLS Cup playoffs? Um, you mean, going to take it game by game, and that's it, the end. I'm like, wait a second. Like, right after that League's Cup final victory against Nashville, Inter Miami was right back in it with, with the U.S. Open Cup. Yeah. And, and not a single mention of it. Before they played another MLS game. They played a semifinal game that weekend. Uh, that week. Mid- that week. Midweek, mid- right. Against, yeah. against Cincinnati. Yeah. They won that game, which was a fantastic game, and then went on to ultimately lose in the final. So I had a chance to interview the executive producer from uh, Messi Meets America. And I asked him, I said, uh, we'll have a story at worldsoccertalk.com that goes into more detail. I asked him, like, I noticed in episodes one, two, and three, there's no mention of US Open Cup. So in episode four... I would expect there would be you know, all this footage about the U.S. Open Cup and how Inter Miami is really excited to, to try to win this uh, uh, competition and all the drama that goes into it. Is he going to play? Is he not? I mean, and the great game against Cincinnati, like a really exciting semifinal. So I said, like, so like episode four or five or six does show footage of the U.S. Open Cup, right? And basically he dodged the question. And said, okay, well, this documentary is focused on the team, on the club, on on the MLS journey. And I said, okay, yes, I understand that Inter Miami is an MLS team, but you I mean you have to talk about the US Open Cup, right? This is this is this is a documentary about Messi meets America, about Inter Miami, about the US Open Cup. And the crazy thing is, there's no mention of it. Then they're, they're purposely. Basically, what the executive producer said was that the mission he was given was to go ahead and focus on Inter Miami's journey in MLS, and that's it. Kartik, I know a lot of listeners and viewers understand and know why they didn't cover the US Open Cup, but I'll throw it to you. Why would this Apple documentary, Messi Meets America, not even mention US Open Cup? Because Soccer United Marketing marketed and held the media rights to the U.S. Open Cup until last year's competition, 2022. U.S. soccer pulled those rights back and resold them themselves. Uh, and we know, I mean, I don't want to go through, it's, it's been aired on CBS. The rights were originally sold to Turner, uh, but CBS is now broadcasting it. But it's not a Soccer United marketing property. Uh, for those of you who, who maybe haven't written or have not read our articles at World Soccer Talk now for a decade about this issue of Soccer United Marketing. Soccer United Marketing is the marketing arm of Major League Soccer. And for many years, uh, U.S. Soccer used them as their marketing agency. Uh, the FMF, uh, uh, the Federación uh, in, in Mexico, they still, they still use uh, um, Soccer United Marketing, which is why we have Leeds Cup, right? Because uh, Liga Mekis. Um, is is kind of married to to Soccer United Marketing. But because the media rights and the sponsorship rights to the competition are no longer held by MLS, 
they have no interest in promoting the competition. And in fact, I don't want to get too deep down the rabbit hole, Chris. So uh, you can find more on this in previous podcasts or at worldsoccerdoc.com uh, or at uh, Beyond the 90, where my colleague Daniel Forderstein has written extensively about this. Um, the issue of MLS now trying to undermine the U.S. Open Cup in a very public manner has happened. So I think this documentary is part of that effort because then they're just going to skip from the League's Cup final in Nashville, classic, classic evening of football, to the quest to make the MLS playoffs, um, which means inevitably in episodes four through six, Chris, they will skip the U.S. Open Cup final, which was hosted at Lockhart Stadium. They're going to miss that. They're going to just skip it. Um, which is incredulous if they're trying to do a documentary about that club, about Messi in America, about um, I, I. So he, he, soccer is not like other sports in the U.S., right? I mean, the, the same club that competes in Major League Soccer competes in the U.S. Open Cup. Same thing with the USL clubs and then to PSL clubs. It's the same club. It's not a separate. They don't have a. Uh, it's not like. Uh, uh, the university in you know, Florida Atlantic University, which is down the road from me. It's not like they have a separate basketball team and separate football team, right? Separate soccer team. It's not like that. It's the same club. It's the same players. So it, it's unbelievable, really. Yeah, it'd be like the Premier League doing a documentary about uh, Manchester City's last season, winning the treble, and then skipping over, not even talking about the FA Cup, or not even talking yeah, about the UEFA yeah. Champions League, and just focusing it on Manchester City win- winning the actual league. And that's it. it. It's it's incredulous. I think that's the word that you used. But but to me, it's it's also in terms of what Major League Soccer is doing here is it, it's childish. I mean, so, <laughs> so so Messi meets America is commissioned by Apple and in conjunction with Major League Soccer. So this is Apple and MLS, you know, putting the money, putting the emphasis into producing this. But to only tell part of the story and to purposely not ignore one of the big stories from this, one of I mean, one of the oldest uh, soccer competitions in the world. I mean, hundred plus years of history in the United States, um, and we we never mentioned how good of a job that uh, CBS Sports did with the coverage of the U.S. Open Cup yeah. final yeah. and some of the footage of I mean, yesteryears, I mean, going back through the decades as far as all the history. I guess we won't see that in the documentary, so we're, we're going to have to educate the public about that. Yeah, it, it's. I don't know. To me, it's childish, right? I mean, I mean, like, how would it hurt Apple and MLS to mention? I mean, even the episodes four, five, and six haven't come out yet, so they could always edit them or change them and, and adapt them if there is a vocal uh, kind of response to them not even talking about U.S. Open Cup. Maybe they'll they'll change it by the time we see episodes four, five, and six. But I mean, what's the big deal, right? But I think, I think at the heart of it, Kartik, I think to me is pro-rel. Is it, it brings up that ugly topic that a lot of uh, Major League Soccer uh, executives don't want to talk about is that here we have an open competition, uh, you know, Major League Soccer, which is a closed system, but a, an open competition where any club from any, any league in the United States can go through the qualification path and, and, and try to get into this competition and go deep into this competition and, and play against MLS teams, USL teams, etc. And, and to, to me, I think that's the heart of it. Maybe it's not pro-rel, maybe it's open system versus closed system. And by actually showing the US Open Cup, it opens up question marks. Like, 
but I don't know. It's just, uh, it's, it's, to me, it's ridiculous that they would even do this. So we even contemplate doing it. I mean, hopefully other people will call them out on it, not, not just Well, us. they have to acknowledge, I guess, that there are other clubs in, in the same markets. Like, for example, uh, the club I support, the club I used to work for, Miami FC, um, we, we played Inter-Miami in their first match of the Open Cup and, and went to penalty kicks, right? Right. Uh, it was really kind of a famous, uh, this goes back to your point about Phil Neville, famous coaching matchup, Phil Neville, uh, one of the Neville brothers against uh, Anthony Pulis, who was our manager at the time, who was the son of Tony Pulis. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a great story in itself, but in all of that, they don't want to highlight. But they would have to acknowledge there's another club in town, in the same town where they have this MLS team. So that would be, might be one of the motivations. Yeah, it just uh, yeah, because what I mentioned to the the, the executive producer, I, I said to him, I said, "This is really bizarre <laughs> that you have a documentary about a team, about a journey for this MLS club, and part of that journey includes not even mentioning at all the words U.S. Open Cup, and not even talking about coming up the next game and how excited the team is to be playing in, I mean, basically kind of the the semifinals of this major competition." And playing is the final. Ultimately, they lost the final. You know, I mean, you win some, you lose some. But um, it, it, it <laughs> I, it's, it's so sad. It, it's funny. It's so sad. I mean, that, that they, they would be this juvenile to actually skip that. I, it, I still can't believe it. All right, Kartik, let's move on to listen to the mailbag. We've got a bunch of uh, feedback from our listeners, as always, and viewers, of course. Uh, this is kind of catching up because it's been a couple of weeks since we did the last episode. But Glenn says... In regards to Welcome to Wrexham, he says, uh, you just spent several minutes telling us how great Wrexham is because it includes so many human interest stories. But then you complain about Apple trying to turn Major League Soccer players into characters and celebrities. Isn't this the same thing? I agree about the AirPods placement, though. And Glenn uh, follows up to say, I didn't take the comment to mean he, he thought putting headphones on them during the warm-up would make them celebrities rather that they should be working on ancillary content to turn the players into characters you want to root for. And, and I think to me that that's the big difference is that the, the characters that you want to root for in Welcome to Wrexham is the local community, is, is the Wayne, Wayne from um, the Turf Pub or Carrie, who's in charge of the disabilities, uh, the disabilities officer, or Rosie Hughes, who's one of the star players on the on the Wrexham women's team, um, or or the Declan Swans, the the local rock band who are playing songs uh, about Wrexham and and so on and so uh, Sean, who's kind of a really passionate fan, uh, having it difficultly recently divorced, etc. To me, those are the characters; those are real people. So, I mean, kind of th that that's my take in, in terms of it. Yes, there's that human interest story. Um, and, and we've got some human interest from, from the Wrexham point of view where they're being interviewed and we get to know those players better. But by MLS players, yes, I would like to know them better too in terms of some of these personalities and characters. But the way they're going about doing it or the way that Apple wants to do it seems to be really fake. I mean, it just seems to be uh, uh, basically inauthentic. Well, it is inauthentic is the word and that was the word I was going to use, Chris. Uh, one thing that... that uh, in my numerous conversations with journalists from abroad who have then, uh, who have covered MLS or American soccer, you know, even if it's the U.S. national team, in in some do large dose, 
um, the word that comes to them is that they, they often the, the thought that comes to them is that American players are very safe. They're very um, conservative in how they present themselves. They're very by the book. So in order to create characters, and there are exceptions, right? Clint Dempsey, Clint Mathis, those are two exceptions that come uh, to mind when you talk about Americans men's players. There have been a few others. Not many, truthfully. Not many. Um, so anything you do to make a character out of kind of the safe American player uh, who gives very safe interviews, doesn't say anything controversial, is always parroting the same thing as management is parroting in, in their public statements or the Federation, right? Backing the Federation all the time. Um, these labor disputes in MLS tend to be, I'll get into the players union another time. Maybe it's, now it's not the time for it. But the point is, it, it will come across as inauthentic because it's not genuine. In addition, MLS, the, the biggest problem with Major League Soccer, and this may be why they don't want to talk about the U.S. Open Cup, because plainly, clubs like Chattanooga FC and Detroit City have more going on in their community than most MLS clubs. These clubs don't mean a whole lot to their communities, with some exceptions. There are exceptions. Every time I say this, there are exceptions. I think um, I think of two clubs, Sporting Kansas City and Real Salt Lake, that have done really good jobs in their community and now are part of the fabric of those communities. But in general, MLS clubs are not, whereas football clubs in Europe and in South America are, whereas college sports programs in the United States are, whereas baseball teams in the United States tend to be part of the heartbeat uh, of the cities they play in. So it's very difficult to, to, to authentically do this when the material isn't there. With Wrexham, the material's there the community, uh, and the authenticity. Yeah, I think part of it too is that Major League Soccer is very controlling. So I think it's a very Correct. tightly run ship in terms of messaging, you know, making sure that everyone's basically on script, everyone's saying the right things. So I think sometimes the players feel, I mean, it's a very sterile organization. So sometimes it feels that you're not getting the honest opinions from people. And when you do get those honest opinions from people that have played in Major League Soccer, such as Zlatan, right, or, or, <laughs> or others, then it becomes a big story because it's like, hey... Zlatan in America would have been a great documentary series, by the way. Yeah. But they didn't do one. <laughs> but I think overall, overall though, too, it's just it's very controlled environment. So I think sometimes the player is probably a little bit more guarded. I, I think there's some really good players that have some really good uh, stories, I'm not sure what those are. And, and I think those need to come out more. But when you have public relations controlling the, you mean the messaging and, and, and trying to play it safe, what you get what, what, what you end up with, which is a very inauthentic, you mean not a lot of characters and it kind of a very, you mean basically safe and quiet space and, and, and kind of boring too sometimes in terms of, of the player interviews, not really getting much depth there or much honesty. Uh, oh, much much openness, really. All right, let's move on. Uh, the next up is Robert. Robert says, in regards to the Welcome to Wrexham, just some feedback about that. He says, another great story is the rise of Notts County. If they can keep up their early season form, they may move up to League One. I believe it has been since about 1984 that they were last in the top league. Problem with funds prevented them from staying, uh, staying up. They have no... Um, they have no celebrities providing money, but over the last period, they have had competent management 
So there is a chance that they could make uh, and stay in League One. The team across the River Trent looks like they will stay in the big time. So Nottingham's uh, football fans are happy. Uh, also, you have both said that you watch up to 12 to 14 hours of soccer some days. How do you do that? I usually watch a game or two and then the highlights of the games are missed. That being MLS, uh, uh, some EPL games, if it seems interesting, and, and Bundesliga highlights. So, Kartik, before we talk about Notts County, which is uh, really one of the, the stories of uh, League Two so far this season, um, what about you? I mean, in terms of, you mean, like Sir Robert's mentioning about sometimes 12 or 14 hours watching soccer, and I know you, you have a busy life, you know, you know, family, different things going on. How how is that possible? Is it still possible? Um, it's only possible on the weekends. Weekdays, quite frankly, I don't watch much football. I don't watch Champions League. Uh, I, I I'd like to, um, and I, I do watch some football league during the week, right? The championship games if they're going on, but I just don't have the time with work and and uh, the different projects I work on and family, uh, etc. To be watching even maybe an hour of football or soccer during the week. Uh, very little. I, I'll catch the scores and the highlights of games for the most part. But on the weekends, it's different. Um, 12 to 14 hours, uh, yeah, I guess that's about right. Um, yeah, you talk about what? Let's say Eastern time, 7 a.m., you wake up, you get that first, you get that cup of coffee, that first Premier League match. Bundesliga kicks off at 9.30. There'll be a La Liga match going on around the same time. There's uh, the block of, of 3 p.m. Uh, kickoffs, which are 10 a.m. here in the East Coast of the U.S. Uh, Premier League, uh, the late Premier League game, the late Bundesliga game. Serie A kicks off. Uh, I'm usually watching a Serie A game uh, that kicks off around 2.45 our time. Uh, yeah, that's, that's 12 hours. Uh, and then USL. I mean, Miami FC, the club I follow, I, I watch all their games, and they play Saturday nights. Uh, this weekend, we're in Sacramento. It's a 10 p.m. Eastern time start. Uh, if we win, we're in the playoffs. So um, it's, uh, uh, yeah. So th- this weekend, it might be 16 hours, actually, because of the West Coast game. Yeah. And, and yeah. And for a Saturday night, I mean, it could be, you know, it could be NWSL game. It could be an MLS game. It could be a Liga Mackey's game. It could be, you mean, USM, uh, International, USMNT or USWNT. So I, I, I'm on the same page as you on week weekends, um, 12 hours easy. Um, and it's enjoyable to me. Sunday's the same way too. I mean, it's like, I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm doing things around the house at the same time. I might be doing dishes or, <laughs> but I'm still plugged in. But but for me personally, it, it, it's my job. It's my full-time career. Um, so on the weekends, it's, I mean, that's, I have to stay on top of it. Uh, weekdays for me, I'm, I'm still watching games too. So trying to combine working on worldsoccertalk.com, the website, uh, as well as prepping for the podcast or working on other projects and managing the team, et cetera. So as well as what, um, trying to even do my own investigative reporting as you are too, Kartik, and, and writing opinion pieces um, and then watching games. And um, yeah, there's, yeah, 12 to 14 hours it, it is, is pretty easy. Um, but sometimes I have to take a break. Sometimes it just like, you mean, enough's enough. I have, I have to go outside for a few hours and, and get some fresh air and, and or go to the beach or, or something uh, just so that there's no burnout uh, or at least try try not to get burned out. Notts County, Kartik, um, do you think they can go all the way and get promoted? Yes. Uh, in fact, I, I do think that they'll finish in the top seven, so they'll at the very least be uh, in a playoff spot. 
I, I, I think they have a strong enough squad this season. Wrexham are going to be there or thereabouts. Not, Wrexham won't be in the top three, but they could be in the top seven. But I, I think Notts County have a chance to stay in the top three uh, and, and almost certainly in the top seven. Uh, Stockport, uh, very, very good. They're on their heels right now. But, yeah, it, it's a great story also because um, they were the oldest professional club in the world in terms of continuity and professional divisions when they got relegated a few years ago. So obviously that record's gone, but um, they spent more time in professional leagues since the rules of, 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 of football were codified uh, in, in the uh, mid 1800s, late mid to late 1800s uh, than any other club in, in, in the history of, uh, of, of world football. This is the other uh, point I've made about Everton. Everton, again, fighting relegation, although they've had a couple of good results recently. Everton have spent more years in the top flight uh, of, a, of a European league than any club in, in, in the world, in, in Europe, in the history. So that's why um, for people who say, oh, well, Leeds is a big club and they got relegated and this one's a big club and uh, Nottingham Forest are all big clubs. Well, yeah, but, but there's a reason why some of us get really nervous about Everton being relegated in a way we don't about other clubs. And Knott's County, when they fell out of the Football League a few years ago, uh, it was kind of a similar feeling. So I, I'm really, I agree with Rob, really happy they're back. Yeah, before, like, earlier on in this podcast, we talked about uh, Peacock and some of the issues they've had. Uh, Paramount Plus and CBS Sports has had some issues this year with NWSL coverage, some like some some crazy things happening to the coverage where, I mean, a lot of complaints about that. Uh, ESPN, we have, haven't talked about their coverage in terms of uh, technical issues, but the Bundesliga 2, especially, there's been a lot of problems, as well as the Goal Arena, which is the whip around show. Oh, goal ring has been a disaster. It's, yeah. So yeah. every time I've tuned in, unfortunately, um, I don't think I've had any broadcast where it's been flawless. It's been technical issues. Just And they did not show Goal Arena this past week, if you didn't notice. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I couldn't find it. Maybe they did show it, but it wasn't where it normally was. And I think maybe they just dropped it. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe they'll fix it after the international break. We'll see. Maybe. So yeah, Martin... Uh, in regards to the Bundesliga and, and Apple, it says Martin says, I, I listened with interest to your breakdown of Eddie Q's interview by uh, uh, GQ magazine. My takeaway from that would be that the Bundesliga would be the last league Apple would want to be would, that would be compatible with, and vice versa. Given how resistant to change the fans and supporters of Bundesliga are, fans got rid of money making for TV companies, not supporters. Uh, they got rid of Monday games in Germany and rally against certain sponsors and investors. This is opposite of Major League Soccer's or uh, Premier League's uh, kowtowing to broadcasters or, or owners' demands. So my hope as a Bundesliga fan is that they stick with ESPN Plus or preferably move to Paramount Plus, given ESPN's recent trend of bad streams. Apple would be my last choice after hearing your analysis of the Eddie Q interview. Uh, Frank says, in regards to Peacock and NBC, Frank says, I suppose the substandard matches are the Fulhams against Crystal Palace mid-table matches that Americans are not tuning into. That is slightly more than nobody is tuning into unless you're from that London uh, area. I know what NBC wants to do. They want their cake and, and to eat it too. They obviously want you to have the app and the cable subscription. What does the Premier League think of NBC's manipulations of their content, no matter 
money is in the bank. Uh, are they aware that a large American market is not interested in Luton Town versus Sheffield United? That the idea of a Super League structure becomes all the more alluring after having spent a weekend refusing to watch the splendid uh, run and cross majesty of England's uh, after six on the table clubs? Is the Premier League remotely interested in all their content being available seamlessly and easily? I, sub- I suppose we may know next contract negotiation. And Frank is uh, obviously upset there too about uh, a lot of the games being on Peacock and having to have a subscription to, you mean, a cable network that, that or a streaming network that has USA Network as well as NBC over the air, and then also having to subscribe to Peacock in order to have access to all these games. But then NBC's um, kind of uh, basically putting a lot of the games, maybe the Luton Towns, the Sheffield Uniteds um, on, on Peacock, etc. Uh, Kartik, I, I have a feeling you have a different take on this one. Yeah, I, I don't know if uh, maybe it's because I live in Florida, but uh, Fulham is a really bad example um, to use about Americans not being interested. Uh, I, I know more Fulham fans than I know Manchester City fans in the U.S. I know more Fulham fans than I know, um, well, I know a lot of Spurs fans. I know more Fulham fans probably than I know Arsenal fans, really, when I think about it, uh, in the U.S., uh, most of them are in Florida, and, and I, I realize the ownership group is from is from here, right? Chad Khan is from Jack, Jacksonville area. Um, uh, Tony Khan uh, is from the Jacksonville area. But, uh, boy, that, that's a weird example. And then Crystal Palace, uh, I know interest in them here because uh, uh, John Tester lives in uh, Hope Sound, in, in my neck of the woods, uh, close to where you used to live, Chris. So, uh, But Fulham, there are a lot of Fulham fans. I mean, even some of the really prominent people in uh, American soccer, Peter Wilt, I mean, one of the greatest executives in, in the sport in this country is a Fulham fan. So I, I think he's interested. Now, in terms of Luton Town versus Sheffield United, yeah, there's probably not that much interest. Um, but um, one thing NBC does do a good job of, again, maybe more from the production standpoint than from the studio analyst standpoint, is build context in the league. Build context in the importance of every game in the league. And it's kind of the way you see college sports conferences presented if you watch college basketball, which I do. I don't watch college football anymore. But college basketball, which I watch a lot of, um, and I really I focus on one conference, which is the ACC. But the way the broadcasts are always presented are kind of in a league context. Well, yeah, maybe Duke is playing Miami at the top of the conference, but Really, you know, Georgia Tech and Louisville, blah, 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 blah. You know, they're at the bottom. Um, same thing with uh, um, with uh, the way NBC presents the Premier League. I mean, the relegation fight is really important to the context they build. Um, Roger Bennett does those promoted specials every year, right, where he talks to the newly promoted clubs. Um, NBC showed the Luton Town story, which was a documentary, uh, which I had already seen, actually, but by the time they showed it on uh, USA or Peacock, wherever they showed it, uh, when they got promoted, but um, really good um, uh, 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 thing to build the context. So I think a lot of what NBC is doing is building greater context in the league. Um, that also, Chris, is a buffer against the Super League. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's all altruistic what they're doing. Um, part of it is okay. We need to build context in the other 14 teams. Uh, in a given year, because obviously it changes every year because of relegation um, and promotion, so that people are Premier League fans. They're not just fans of Arsenal or Manchester City and are going to follow Arsenal and Manchester City out the door to the Super League. 
Yeah, I'm not sure what Frank wants though, too, because I mean, there's a lot of people that want all the games available on TV, which is impossible, right? There's too many games to put on, yeah. on TV. Um, you mean they don't want to subscribe to Peacock? They just want to watch the games on TV. You mean, but there's you mean ten games a weekend, and a lot of those games are happening at the same time, so that's not possible. Um, and there's a lot of people that want all the games available on Peacock, so that they can go and subscribe to them there. Um, that's completely possible, but. Comcast as the owner of the it's rights. It's a cable company. It's a cable company, and they want you to subscribe yeah. to cable service and to streaming. Um, his example of uh, Fulham against Crystal Palace, Kartik, I can guarantee you that there'd be more people watching Crystal Palace against Fulham than there would be for a Major League Soccer game, right? So Yeah, again, Fulham is the wrong team to pick. He, maybe yeah. if he picked, uh, I don't know, Brentford. Crystal Palace versus Brentford might have more of a case. Yeah, I, I don't know that. I mean, I mean, go into these Premier League fan fests. I mean, I mean, a couple of years ago, I was in Miami Beach, and, and there was a ton of well, not a ton. There was a lot of uh, Sheffield United fans there. Going to the most recent one last year or earlier this year in Orlando, there were Brentford fans there. You know, I mean, so you know I mean to me, yeah. to me, to me, the Premier League. Frank mentions like like, hey, would the Premier League be upset in terms of uh, the uh, lack of accessibility of these games? For me, I would argue it's the opposite. You mean, yes, they would like to have more games on television, but but many of these, I mean, so I don't know. So it, it's like, so for example, this past weekend, Arsenal against Man City was on Peacock exclusively. That had the third most uh, streamed Premier League match in the history of US television, basically. So so I think about 870,000 people watched that game on on Peacock. Which is an incredible number. You mean if Major League Soccer got that on on television, um, they'd be hooping and hollering. So, um, so I think the Premier League's fine. I mean, more and more people are moving to streaming anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it could be a lot worse, right? It could be it could be NWSL where you have to have a few different subs- subscriptions in order to watch all the games. Here, at least with the Premier League, you can watch the games on Peacock and USA Network and NBC over there. But I guess the point of contrast is very clearly uh, La Liga and um, Bundesliga, where if you have ESPN Plus, you get everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I've been lucky because um, uh, the local ABC station in in the Miami Fort Lauderdale market, they love to preempt Bundesliga matches. They don't preempt La Liga matches, by the way. But they, I mean, maybe it's the, the way they perceive this market. Um, uh, that people aren't interested in German football or there are no Bayern fans here. I don't know. But I've had to go to ESPN Plus on multiple occasions when games have been on ABC um, because of uh, the way uh, the, the, the broadcast situation. So I can kind of understand it from that perspective, but the Premier League is a much more valuable television property with a lot more viewers in the United States than La Liga, Bundesliga, or Serie A. Really more than those leagues combined, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, you know, whether people like it or not, you know, so I, I get a lot of people, you know, getting angry uh, constantly about why is there so much more Premier League coverage? Oh, all these people, they just watch the Premier League and, you know, they're they're this or they're that. Well, that's responding to the market. If you don't like the free market, then do something about it. It's all based on consumerism. You want more people watching Serie A or La Liga? Uh, advocate for those leagues to make changes. I mean, this is a free uh, capitalist country. It's not a socialist or communist country. So, um, people watch the Premier League because they're interested in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the bottom line. Yeah, exactly. 
And then the last comment is from Chris about the uh, the Dutch league, their Divisie. Chris says, after watching the Ajax against Feyenoord match uh, recently, I have to say that I have some major concerns about the future of the Dutch league. The way that Ajax has collapsed the last few years is very worrying because it shows that the homegrown talent that they are famous for producing has dried up. It also shows how badly Ajax has been run, especially when it comes to transfers. This is not a good look for the league because Ajax is a club that most people think of when they talk about Dutch football. And to see them in this bad of a state makes the league look weak. The behavior of the Ajax fans is also not a good look for the league, especially if the uh, Eredivisie wants to market itself globally. Now, yeah, I mean, the Dutch league definitely wants to market itself globally. It's it's tried in the U.S. to market itself several times in terms of you mean, having games on Tudu NA, uh, a, a bunch of different uh, kind of really obscure streaming platforms, and now on ESPN+. Plus. I mean, to watch the league... I wish I wish I had more time to watch the Dutch league because I, I find it really entertaining. Uh, the fans are intense, sometimes over the top, but uh, the level of football is good. Um, but again, similar to the Dutch, uh, to, to the French league and to the Bundesliga, is oftentimes those games in the Dutch league too are happening at the same time as I'm watching the Premier League or I'm watching my team Swansea in the Championship. So I just can't watch, I mean, can't pay as much attention as I would like. Um, what's your thoughts, Kartik, on, on Chris's comments about uh, Ajax especially? Yeah, I agree with him completely. I think it's a bad look for the league. Um, there has been more talk in my football circles with the professional scouts and uh, agents I talk to, um, which is frequent. I, I do a lot of that, uh, that the Belgian league is now the destination league. They want to get a young American kid over or just a young player in general um, that they represent talking to agents over into uh, a positive situation for player development in within the European Union. So they, they, they get uh, their work permits, stuff like that. Uh, the Belgian league has eclipsed the Dutch league just in the last few years uh, for that. And part of that is is uh, uh, the situation at Ajax, uh, some of the other situations around the Dutch league, uh, some of the fan issues um, in the Netherlands. So... Um, that I never thought I'd hear. I never thought I'd hear people comparing, people in the game comparing the Belgian and people who are power in the game comparing the Belgian league favorably with the Dutch, uh, when compared to the Dutch league. But that's that's what's happening. So, uh, yeah, Chris is spot on. There's a lot lot going on there and, and, and problems for the Dutch league. But, uh, you know, doors closed for one, uh, doors open for another. And, and the Belgian league, uh, uh, which I, quite frankly, don't follow very closely, but but have been motivated now from talking to people to maybe keep an eye on at least the table. Um, he, he seems to be emerging as the, uh, in that void. So listeners and viewers, we definitely want to get your feedback, get your opinions, maybe some of your uh, thoughts in, in regards to some of these questions that other uh, viewers and listeners have brought up. So there's a bunch of different ways to get in touch with us. Uh, we'd love to read those comments out on air. You can go to the website, worldsoccertalk.com. Click on podcasts and then leave your comments in the most recent uh, episode. Uh, you can go to uh, Twitter, X, and uh, uh, that's at World Soccer Talk and send us your comments that way. Facebook.com slash World Soccer Talk, YouTube.com slash World Soccer Talk, uh, email, which is web at World Soccer Talk.com, and, and voicemail, 561. 5- Two four seven four six two five, and we can play those voicemails 
on future episodes. So whether it's talking about soccer, streaming, or ProRail, or anything you want to bring up, uh, feel free to send those in. We'd love to read those out on a future episode. Uh, Kartik, before we go, has there, any, has there been anything you've been watching this couple last couple of weeks that you've been either in person or on television or streaming that you've been hooked on when it comes to soccer? Um, and, it, and it doesn't have to be a game. It could be a, a documentary series. It could be like, what, what have you been watching that's... That's uh, that you've enjoyed the most. I mean, I've been watching uh, Miami FC's playoff push in, in USL. I've been watching. Well, welcome to Wrexham. I mean, that's that's what I enjoyed the most. It, I, I know that's uh, people are tired of hearing. A lot of people who listen are tired of hearing about that. But yeah, that's actually been probably the thing that that has hooked me the most to the point where I've watched a couple of the episodes multiple times. Um, wow. Which, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess made make <laughs> me a, a junkie or a bingey or whatever. But no, I, I think. Uh, um, I'm I'm really kind of uh, uh, compelled by uh, the start Ipswich Town has had uh, in uh, yeah. in the championship and talked about this frequently when I've been on Top Sport and uh, I, I think they have a chance to go up uh, and uh, be a league higher than Norwich for the first time in a long time. Their local rivals Norwich has been in and out of the Premier League, although Norwich has started the season fairly well also. Uh, Norwich has been in and out of the Premier League for the bulk of the last 15 years, whereas uh, Ipswich has fallen on some really hard times. Uh, and then the other thing that's been going on, quite frankly, is a lot of time on the phone, talking to sources about all of this mess uh, in American lower division soccer. Not going to get into it on this podcast, but that's consumed a lot of my time, uh, including talking to player agents and, and uh executives in the game so uh the soccer wars never end in the u.s <laughs> yeah and Kartik, author of the book uh, soccer wars is the ultimate uh expert on that for, for me the two the two things that have st- stood out for me the last couple of weeks watching is um personally swansea city uh gone on a great run in the championship uh, near the bottom now at the mid table um but the other thing that stood out for me that i've been hooked on is and this is thanks to Welcome to Wrexham, but is uh, Dorking Wanderers. And yeah. I'm not sure if you've seen this, Kartik, but they have a, uh, a YouTube channel and they have got a whole documentary series. I mean, probably I mean, tens of episodes. It's called A Bunch of Amateurs. And it's the story. It's kind of game by game. It feels a lot like Welcome to Wrexham in terms of, and this came out well before Welcome to Wrexham. But it's their story. But really, kind of the centerpiece of this is Mark White, who's the the manager of Talking Wanderers, and he talks about how they took this team basically from a from a local pub team, like a, a Sunday league team, up through the ranks of the the English football system, all the way now to the national conference, uh, the national league, and you I mean just one division away from the same division that Wrexham's in now, League Two, but. Watching this is is absolutely fascinating in terms of his interactions with referees, <laughs> which they film, and you get to hear the re- referees talking casually, just kind of uh, that's that was quite different. But also um, in terms of him in the locker room and his analysis he's giving or his uh, halftime speeches or uh, pre match speeches, etc. Uh, and and just the day to day running of this club. And the great thing about this for me too is that I have no idea in terms. I'm not following Dorking Wanderers every match and knowing what the results are. So when I go back into some of the older episodes, you I mean to me it's it's you know, I mean 
I don't know if they win or, or lose so tie this game or, or how they did that season. But if you get a chance, especially during the international break, if you do want to watch something that's going to, uh, it's not for everyone, but I, I think it, it's it's enthralling. Uh, Dorking Wanderers, uh, a bunch of amateurs on YouTube is highly recommended. Kartik, uh, where can uh, listeners and viewers find your content on Beyond the 90? And, and what, what, what also have uh, are you guys up to in terms of uh, coverage? Yeah, beyondthe90.substack.com. Uh, it's become really heavy on soccer wars, right? Soccer wars uh, in terms of uh, NISA, NPSL, USL, and MLS Next Pro. Um, I, this is the thing I found with this, uh, Chris. I mean, you start you start a, a service to kind of write and, and, and deliver a newsletter, and you find uh, what you launch it to do, which was really to kind of talk tactics in European football, is not what people are interested in. There are millions of other people doing that. Uh, not millions, but, you know, there are lots of other content. And then you find this niche, and you, you, you look at the metrics for what people are opening and what people aren't, and it's universally... Uh, you could write something about the tactical breakdown of, I don't know, Arsenal Man City this past weekend and uh, send something out about NPSL when the NPSL thing is getting more, oh, far more open. So it's just finding the niche. So, um, you know, for better or for worse, I think that site's now become into, it turned into a lower division U.S. site. Yeah, which is great because I mean, it's much needed, even in terms of, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a hunger for information about those leagues what's happening and those teams and those stories because you mean and and that's the thing though too i mean like, like a dorking wanderers right is like to, to me like i'd love to see some american clubs follow something similar to that and actually start filming day to day what life is like at, at a lower league club in the united states uh how challenging it is what they have to do some of the issues that they have that, that they face and bring those cameras behind the scenes, I mean, to some of those meetings, if it's, I don't know, MPSL or USL or, or NISA and, and actually film what's going on. Because I think to me, that'd be fascinating because visually, I mean, we see the games from time to time, but behind the scenes, I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't see or, or, or know what's going on um, vis- no, visually. there's not enough content out there at all. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, and unfortunately, this is something that I think is spread from MLS and US soccer through the American soccer pyramid where uh, people don't want to take chances. They're very conservative with, with how they present themselves. They're very, uh, they're very controlling. The leagues are, um, this is a general problem in U S soccer. Um, leagues control things, not teams, uh, leagues control stuff, not clubs. And we did a, a summit in Chattanooga a couple of years ago, uh, where this was the main topic is you know, clubs need to be independent and free themselves from leagues. And it's not just, it's not all about pro rel. That's a big part of it. Uh, but part of it is empowering clubs, even if they're stuck in a closed system. Right now, there's no club empowerment. They can't, you don't have the liberty, the autonomy to go do a documentary like that. You don't, You can't even do a thing like Welcome to Wrexham, quite frankly, with U.S. clubs. Because there'll be some, you know, there'll be some authority in the league you play in that's, uh, that, 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 that gets upset about it. So, um, and, and cracks down on you. So that, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, until next week, until we do another one of this, uh, hopefully the video came across pretty well for those who had a chance to watch it on video. Uh, and then for audio, of course, you, you, you get that. But for the video, we'll have that on youtube.com slash world soccer talk if you do want to watch uh, 
us uh, smiling and laughing and, and, and talking about a lot of these topics that we love to cover week in, week out. So Kartik, on behalf of uh, everyone, what are you going to do this week? And <laughs> what should the listeners do next week? Enjoy your football and get ready for another good week of club football. Uh, and honestly, uh, we're getting to the point in Euro qualifying that I am paying attention. So I'm not checked out this international break like previous ones. Uh, focusing on Euro qualifying, the rest that I'm not concerned about. Having said that, Kartik, I mean, it, it is that time of the year too when it's international break, which means ESPN Plus will have more League One, League Two games on there. So yeah. and there's always lower league football from around the world or football from around the world in general. Major League Soccer is playing through the international break. So there's there's plenty of club soccer teams to choose from. So on that note, enjoy your football. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. WarbyParker.com slash covered. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.